Yes, we have to make choices that may or may not be easy in the moment. But when we're listening to our true self, you know, when you're listening to who you really are, those choices become a whole lot more fun and a whole lot easier. Alrighty, folks, welcome back to Transacting Value, where we're encouraging dialogue from different perspectives to unite over shared values. Now, our theme for what is now season four is intrinsic values, what your character is doing when you look yourself in the mirror. And if you're new to the podcast, welcome. If you're a continuing listener, welcome back. This is now the second contributor interview to our February miniseries called Broadcasting Value. Basically, what we're showcasing is how creators, how innovators, how influencers broadcast their personal values into their brands, maybe on a podcast, maybe on a radio station, or maybe just into their own businesses. And so this particular interview, she helps professionals create a fun lifestyle of real energy without living on lattes, as she likes to say. Uh, her name's Ms. Sherry Trexler. Now she's a certified health coach, certified personal trainer, and also, more appropriately to this particular mini-series, the host of a podcast called Real Wellness. So if you're curious how all that fits together, stay tuned. And we'll be on with Sherry in just a second. Without further ado, folks, I'm Porter. I'm your host. And this is Transacting Value. Sherry, how you doing? I am doing great, actually. It's a cloudy day here in Nashville, Tennessee. But at least I was able to get out this morning and get some cardio in, get a walk in between all the rain showers. Yeah, that counts for a lot. We've had pretty crazy weather here in Virginia the last couple of days. As actually also, we had a cold front. I have a like a tent structure in the backyard. There's lawn equipment and, and whatever stuff in it. Yeah. I also have a little squirrel feeder on the front porch. It's not bolted down. It's not attached to anything. Okay. This tent has a steel and aluminum structure. It's now on okay. the ground after the last three days, totally broken in half. And the squirrel feeder didn't move an inch. That is bizarre. Yeah. That I can visualize it though, because it made me think about growing up. I grew up in, in Middle Tennessee. And I remember there were a lot of New Year's days, January 1st, that we would go on a picnic in shorts and a t shirt. And then four days later, be out of school for snow. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's been that chaotic here too. I'm normally originally from Florida. So it's wet or wetter. And that's it. But we still have swings, right? Every afternoon, there's a thunderstorm guaranteed around three or four o'clock. It's a little bit windy. It's mostly hot and humid. And that's the variation, right? So for the most part, you can bank on it. But there's always the off day when you're like, well, this is going to be a great 75 degree day. And it turns into 43. So, right. yeah, uh, you never know. But while we're talking about where you're from and while we're talking about some of your memories, let's talk about a little bit of relatability. So I can see you for everybody listening. We're on a video call right now, but they can't see you and they may not know who you are, let alone what real wellness discusses. So take a couple minutes. The floor is yours. Who you are, maybe a little bit more about where you're from and what's sort of come together to shape your perspective. Well, I did grow up here in Tennessee. I lived some other places, but I have lived here for the majority of my life. Grew up on a farm. So I've had all the early mornings. But it was really more early mornings for going to school. My dad was the one who was kind enough to go take care of the cattle. He didn't make us do that at 4 a.m. I'm very grateful for that. So we had to do weekends, dig the you know post holes and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And through all of that, learned a real love for physical movement. 
whether it was traditional exercise, like I mentioned walking this morning. I have a love for walking, jogging, things like that, because I grew up doing that with my mom. She was my first walking partner. I just, that, that's how in my mind you get to feel good physically and you get to talk to people if you're walking with somebody else and get to know them. The downside, though, in growing up was I did grow up with the diet mentality, and we can get into that more later if you want to. Because my family, while we were physically active, we also definitely believed in diet. We definitely believed in deprive yourself and go for this goal of normally it was weight loss. And that was just, it wasn't a healthy way to grow up. I went on my first diet when I was nine years old, just to lose two pounds, not because there was anything medical going on. It was just, that's what the women in my family did. So that's what I started doing. And went on through college and undergrad and grad school. And in my 20s, figured out that, okay, this isn't working. The physical part of it is working. You know, I ran cross country in college. So I have a really funny story on that, too. Of, do you mind if I go into that story? Because I love telling this funny thing on myself. <laughs> no, not at all. Go ahead. Okay. So I was running, I ran cross country in college, which sounds like, oh, wow, she's this athlete. No, I like to run. And I went to a little bitty school here in Nashville. It's not little anymore, but it was little at the time, Belmont. And to qualify for a cross-country race, you had to have five people on your team completed. We only had four women on the team. So the cross-country coach came up to me and he goes, Sherry, I know you like to run. Would you be willing to be on our team? Now, I know you're slow, <laughs> but as long as you can finish every race, I was like, I don't know how encouraging that is to right. get somebody on your team to tell them, I know you're slow, but yeah, but anyway, so I did. And I kept my promise. I finished every race. There was one race I truly finished dead last, but I did finish. So yeah, I've got a love of health and wellness from my whole life, but also the dark side of it being a diet mentality. So when you say a diet mentality, just for clarity, because I'm not, I guess, too committed to eating a certain way where I'm, you know, portioning foods or I don't know, rationalizing my decisions or, or anything in between weighing things, whatever. But so to me, when you say diet, that means it's not all a bad thing or for any particular reason. It's just watching what you eat and being more active or conscious in the decisions about what you put in your body. But I'm I'm 100% certain that there are also other schools of thought that say a diet's a bad thing. And it means, you know, cut weight, sweatsuits, and saran wrap, and then only eating whatever, celery and water. Fruit, fruit and cabbage soup or something. Yeah. 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 So when, when you say, for one, dieting at six, but through college, you know, there's a lot of unhealthy habits and obviously stigmas that can come with that too. The Adderall crazes and, and other things to help oh, yeah. speed that process up or metabolically speed that process up. What do you mean? What are you talking about? Yeah, great clarification. So glad that you asked. When I say diet mentality, I don't mean where you are being kind to yourself, where you're saying, you know, whenever I eat really spicy food or whenever I, you know, rush around and eat, I end up with indigestion. Or, oh, wow, whenever I eat, it's what I call a powerful plate that I teach my clients. Whenever I'm eating a balanced meal in, in this form, I feel amazing. That's being kind to yourself. That's not setting this external rule. But a diet mentality is this thought that you go into a bookstore or you listen to a guru who says you need to eat this way 
this particular combination without taking into account your lifestyle, without taking into account what you enjoy, what fits you, and you layer on this set of external rules. The problem is with that is from a mental standpoint, you as an individual were designed to have authority, autonomy in certain areas of your life. And what you put in your body is one of those areas. So whenever you layer on these external rules to that, you're immediately going to want to break against those rules for the sake of autonomy, for your own sense of agency versus an internal guidance, an internal cue of, you know, I really don't feel good when I eat X or I feel great when I eat Y and listening to that. Does that help clarify any other clarifications? Yeah. Yeah, it does. And you said these gurus, though. I mean, that's the stigma you're fighting. I mean, you're the guru. You know what I mean? That's your that those are your friends, the people that's your direct competition almost, you know. So mm-hmm. so as I don't know, maybe even a self-imposed barrier to entry, like you still have to climb that hill, you know, whether it's a cold yeah. call or a returning client or whatever. So on one hand, let me back up. So for anybody listening, if you haven't listened to Transacting Value before, I'm also currently active duty in the Marine Corps. And part of my role, you could call it a collateral duty, at least that's what we call it is what we consider a force fitness instructor. And so our focus is basically helping Marines, coaching Marines, how to be more physically fit, mentally fit, spiritually fit, to just be more holistically fit, essentially. Now, I'm not a licensed dietitian. I am not a licensed nutritionist or really licensed any of those things outside of the Marine Corps, except for CrossFit. But aside from that, what I have found out over the last, I don't know, six, seven years of doing this now is that the more fluid simple, custom tailored, you can make a program or a process, the more likely somebody's going to stick with it, especially to your point, if you can revolve it around what people already want to accomplish their, you know, motivations or or inspirations or whatever as well, not comparing them to other people or other people's benchmarks. Alrighty, folks, sit tight. We'll be right back on Transacting Value. What if you could transform your life, strengthen your mind, and feel great in your body and do it in a way that fits your real lifestyle. Good news. You can create a wellness lifestyle you love. Each week inside the Real Wellness Podcast, you'll learn the secrets and strategies to make peace with food, fit fitness into your busy lifestyle, and unlock your capacity to be, do, and have all you want. What I have found out over the last, oh, I don't know, six, seven years of doing this now is that the more fluid simple custom tailored you can make a program or a process the more likely somebody's going to stick with it especially to your point if you can revolve it around what people already want to accomplish their you know motivations or or inspirations or whatever as well not comparing them to other people or other people's benchmarks but you have to sort of push that you know i'm sure you have people that come talk to you all the time like well what do you think about the south beach diet or should yeah. I try paleo or, you know, but it's probably more based on what was popularized or, yes. you know, so whatever the fat is then. Yeah. And so one thing I found, which uh, I think, let me reel this back for a second. Well, here's something I just learned. I don't know, two weeks ago, I think demographics, when you're measuring a podcast audience or, you know, as a producer or a business or marketing in general are the what's the objective stuff, you know, the what's your age, what's your height, what's your weight, what's your shoe size type stuff? Where do you live? Mm -hmm. Regional considerations, maybe cultural to a degree as well. 
And I think when it comes to fitness, that has to come into play because if you don't have a lot of high protein sources in your environment, well, then you have to find a way to supplement to a degree, right? Mm -hmm. But a couple of weeks ago, I learned about this term called psychographics. I was unfamiliar with the word. And so for anybody listening, psychographics is the values, the belief system, the extra stuff that helps people either self-identify or assimilate into a culture or whatever as people, not as humans, as individuals, right? So mm -hmm. uh, Sherry, I've got a question for you before we move further into your career choice. And maybe this even ties more into your podcast as well. But this is a segment of the show I like to call developing, developing character. character. Developing character. Ready to play? Yeah. All right. Here's how it works. So there's three questions and it's entirely as vulnerable or as in-depth of an answer as you want them to be. And for the record, I never really thought about it is equally acceptable an answer. All right. So this first question though, uh, we're going into the past. All right. What were some of your values then as a kid or as an early teenager growing up? Absolute number one was discipline. But it was, I'll go ahead and say this, looking back, it was a misunderstood application of discipline. But that was 100%. That was it. I mean, quick story on thinking of that is I remember, I think I was fifth or sixth grade. I had a fever of 102. Mm. I was like, oh, wait, I've not done my core work. Today. Well, we didn't call it core work then. We call it crunches and ab work. But I was like, I've not done that. So I roll out of bed to get that in, even though I had 102 whatever fever. I see. Yeah. And so the, the application of that discipline actually to maybe your detriment. Absolutely. hundred okay. percent. Yeah. It was not being kind to myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It has to be a give and take. I'm, and I'll tell you this firsthand, especially coming from my perspective in the Marine Corps. I'm not speaking for a whole bunch of other Marines, just my perspective for anybody listening to this. But if, for example, six months out of any given year, we have a fitness test that also includes running a 5K for time. The majority of the warmups that I've observed for said 5K include, okay, well, a quick stretch. And then when do we start the time? And that's it. <laughs> there have been, to the Marine Corps' credit, if they listen to this, huge strides made, actually, which is why now the Human Performance Division exists and force fitness instructors and all that to work on dynamic warmups and, and just educating. But the alpha mentality is still there. You know, there's still gorillas oh, yeah. walking around that are no offense to gorillas, but that are walking around who, you know, pound their chest. I'm 25. I'm young. I don't need to warm up. I don't need to stretch after people in the mm -hmm. Marine Corps also. And so, yeah, I get now what you're saying about. I guess, a misunderstood application of discipline, you know, yeah. and it's easy to slide into, but I, I don't want to cut off your, your stage light here. What are some other values maybe growing up that resonated? Well, I mean, there was, there was definitely love, love of family, love of friends. There was a dream, a, what can you be with your life? More of a passion type thing that was big as well. But truly overarching was discipline. I mean, that was, and I can't even, my brother was Navy. My father was Air Force, but I don't even think that that played into it. I think it was just more me personally. Sure. Sure. Yeah, I, I get that. And on one hand, you know, self-imposed discipline is, is a good thing. Brush your teeth before you go to bed. Nobody should need to tell you to make yeah. your bed when you yeah. leave for the day or whatever, you know, little things, but those things add up. You start building habits of action. And it really can strengthen your overall resiliency or self-image or, or whatever. And so to that point, 
Sherry than present day. Question number two, what are some values that you aspire to embody or that resonate with you now? Well, discipline is still part of it, but it's layered with some wisdom. <laughs> and, and I would say that I know that when, when you and I have talked, we've talked about the values that you're focusing on in this season of the podcast. And two of those really jumped out at me. And then I realized, actually, the third one is the answer. So I want to walk you through how I thought through this. So yeah, please. kindness is where discipline got misapplied. That if you look at how am I being kind to myself, my current self, and how am I being kind to my future self? So thinking about it from the eating standpoint we were talking about a minute ago is, okay, how can I be kind to myself right now with what I'm eating that, oh, this is, this tastes amazing. I'm focused on really savoring it and enjoying it, not just, you know, shoving it down so I can get on to the next project. How am I being kind to myself right now with food? How am I being kind to myself right now with movement, sleep, whatever? But then also, how am I being kind to my future self? And that was where the discipline got misapplied. It was always a, who cares about who you are right now? Let's think about the future. Well, no, I've really learned through 50 years of living now that you have to take care of the you now and be kind to the you now. If you're even going to be around mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically, then to have a future self. and the passion is where discipline comes in in my mind, where I'm passionate about the future. So I'm going to discipline myself now because passion means suffering. And okay, so at what level am I willing to suffer? But then there's this harmony. At first, I was like, harmony, no, that's not a big value for me. But when I looked at it, I realized, no, actually, harmony is kind of the answer because it's the harmony between kindness to yourself, kindness yourself now and kindness to yourself in the future and passion, the discipline of what you're willing to go through to have what you want in life. It's that harmony. It's that meeting of those two things that, oh, this is wisdom. This actually works when you bring those together. Does that make sense? Yeah. In fact, the only thing that doesn't make sense about what you just said is when you said in your 50s, because nobody else can see you, but I would have taken 20 years off you easily. So whatever you're doing- Thank you. Yeah. You are now my best friend. I appreciate that. Yeah. (laughs) I do not mind saying I'm 52. Yeah, no. So whatever you're doing apparently works. But okay, well, we're talking about the future. Let me hit question three. So question three, we're moving into the future. Okay. It's pretty simple. How do you see your values changing over the next 20 years? I want to be my best friend. And I want to make sure that everybody I come in contact with has the self-love of being their best friend. Mm. And by best friend, it's that sense of, again, you're doing, you're talking to yourself well now. You're being kind to yourself well now. And you're looking out for your own best interest later, too. It just takes away all of that self-beating, all of that self-deprecation in the negative sense, all of that, that I'm not good enough, the lack of self-worth that a lot of people have that I've certainly dealt with in my life. Just that is, if I could say anything for my future value, it would be be my best friend and help everybody else be their own best friend. Hmm. I went back to Toy Story for a second there, but but I agree with agree with what you're saying. It's difficult though. I guess what's difficult is the kindness aspect of that. What's easy 
is being the devil's advocate best friend to yourself. Gosh, yeah. You know, that's the natural part. Like I, some of my best friends are in my own head as far as that's concerned. But finding the support network within yourself and the confidence that has to come with that, being able to rely on yourself or your own judgment, it's tricky. But for anybody listening, whatever small changes you can make towards a healthier lifestyle and a consistently healthier lifestyle helps balance some of that out, at least in my experience. Alrighty, folks, sit tight. and We'll be right back on Transacting Value. Alrighty, folks, here at Transacting Value, we write and produce all the material for our podcast in-house. Game perspective alongside you, our listeners, and exchange vulnerability and dialogue with our contributors every Monday morning. But for distribution, Buzzsprout's a platform to use. You want to know how popular you are in Europe or how Apple is a preferred platform to stream your interviews? Buzzsprout can do that. You want to stream on multiple players through an RSS or custom feed or even have references and resources to take your podcast professionalism, authenticity, and presence to a wider audience? Buzzsprout can do that too. Here's how. Start with some gear that you already have in a quiet space. If you want to upgrade, Buzzsprout has tons of guides to help you find the right equipment at the right price. Buzzsprout gets your show listed in every major podcast platform. You'll get a great looking podcast website, audio players that you can drop into other websites, detailed analytics to see how people are listening, tools to promote your episodes, and more. Podcasting isn't hard when you have the right partners. The team at Buzzsprout is passionate about helping you succeed. Join over 100,000 podcasters already using Buzzsprout to get their message out to the world. Plus, following the link in the show notes lets Buzzsprout know we sent you, gets you a $20 credit if you sign up for a paid plan, and helps support our show. You want more value for your values? Buzzsprout can do that too. Being able to rely on yourself or your own judgment, it's tricky. But for anybody listening, whatever small changes you can make towards a healthier lifestyle and a consistently healthier lifestyle helps balance some of that out, at least in my experience. Is that sort of Okay, you've given me two things to jump on now. That is so good. So one, relating to the, you know, trusting yourself and being, what was the phrase you used? It was so good about just, it wasn't making your own decisions, but it was thinking for yourself. How was it you phrased that? Uh, Not sure. Okay, so everybody rewind the podcast, <laughs> listen to whatever it was he said a moment ago, yeah. and insert that right now with what I'm re- relating to. And when it's about trusting yourself and being kind to yourself, trusting yourself, having that self-assurance, that confidence, again, I have learned the hard way that there is, and anybody in here who knows the Bible, you're going to recognize this out of Proverbs. There are several Proverbs, ancient Proverbs, that talk about a multitude of counselors and that don't go to war without a multitude of counselors. If you just think about that, you think about, okay, I can't trust myself. I'm supposed to listen to all these other people. But if you do that, you're going to get off track. I have gone, and I know other people have gone the opposite direction where they, okay, I'm just going to trust myself and not listen to other people. But it takes both listening to a multitude of counselors, and then guess who is in control of your life? One person, you. So you get this multitude of counselors, but then you ultimately have to make the decision based on that. Thoughts on that before I go to what you said about taking little steps? Nope. Sounds an awful lot like harmony to me. 
okay, well, there we go. Good. Hey, yeah, <laughs> it's so funny that I didn't, I was looking at harmony going, ah, oh, that's not a value, but it just keeps coming up. Okay. So you're talking about making the little steps. This is, and it's actually something I just talked about on my podcast on real wellness is making a micro commitment whenever you are taking those little steps in health and wellness. And too often we think of, oh, well, if I can't go run a 5K, if I can't go run a 5K for time, then what's the point? You know, why am I even doing this? But when it comes to health and wellness, it's the little things. And to make a healthy habit stick, you've got to start with what I call a micro commitment. And let me explain that. It's when you have something that is so minuscule, so tiny, you know, you can do it no matter what happens in life. It's okay, my goal is to do a 5K for time, but my micro commitment is I'm going to put on my running shoes and step out the front door every day. Whether I go run or not doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Of course, 99 times out of 100, you're going to go do your run. But it's forming that habit of doing that. Or if it is, I'm going to drink 12 cups of water a day. You know, so 64 plus a half, so 30, 90, 100 ounces of water, whatever. It's That may be your goal. But your micro commitment is you fill up a water bottle every day, whether you drink it or not. It's because you've got to train your brain that this is who I am. Whenever you have something on your health and wellness to-do list, you will not move mountains to check something off your to-do list. But once you have done something for a while and you begin to see yourself as an exerciser or somebody who eats well or somebody who drinks water on a regular basis or somebody who goes to bed on time or whatever it is, once you see yourself that way, you will move mountains to line up with your identity. Like, mm, nope, guys, I'm heading back to go to bed early because that's how you see yourself. So those micro commitments, those baby steps aren't just, oh, they're little baby steps. No, they are critical. They're foundational. Keep those every day. All right, folks, sit tight. and We'll be right back on Transacting Value. Physical fitness brings mental acuity and spiritual resilience to every professional challenge or stressor. But when you factor in equipment access, commutes, and time constraints to an already increasingly demanding professional lifestyle, physical fitness becomes a lower priority for the sole proprietorship of your perspective. Change your strategy and pursue a freedom from anything that prevents you from feeling great or from identifying your self-worth. At Virio Life, good partners make good business. As a health and wellness practice, physical activity, exercise, nutrition, and behavioral science services are just as important as discipline, harmony, and learning to be kind to yourself. Get unstuck. Realign your priorities with your personal values. Exercise within your lifestyle and more fluidly integrate intuitive eating. This is for every professional to wake up feeling great and to enjoy the day with mental sharpness and calm, and to end the day feeling successful and connected. Find your path. Fill your potential with Vireo Life. Check out the V-I-R-E-O life.com and see the show notes for more information. So those micro commitments, those baby steps aren't just, oh, they're little baby steps. No, they are critical. They're foundational. Keep those every day. We've got some sayings in the Marine Corps similar to that point of micro commitments. Tell me. Yeah, well, they're sort of tenets. I guess you could say, where habits of thought lead to habits of action. And then there's this saying about brilliance in the basics, which I'll be honest with you, for the first couple of years of my career, 
uh, all I did were the basics and I didn't feel any more brilliant. I just got bored. Right. Yeah. Um, but as I've spent more time and grown and matured a little bit, there's a lot more to that where it's not just in the physical ability to conduct something or to shoot with precision or do whatever applies, but sort of like you brought up the wisdom behind that, the habit of thought that you develop, the inherent discipline that's developed as a result, sort of like the difference between professionals and amateurs, you know, to practice yeah. 10,000 free throws, to not think about it the one time you need it. And a lot of that requires those little micro commitments. You know, we had a contributor in the last season, I think it was in July, his name's Ernie, and he's a jazz percussionist in uh, Toronto. Ernie, I'm sorry if I forget, but in Canada. And so he plays the drums, right? But one of the points that he brought up in that particular interview was that nobody's put chains on you. So the majority of whatever you find to be a setback is probably self-imposed. Now, don't get me wrong, and no offense to amputees, but with no arms, you're not walking on your hands. You don't have them, yeah. right? Like, there's some things yeah. that just, it'll just be what it is until you train to that and, and condition and find ways that do work for you to accomplish what you want to accomplish. Because those boundaries and those thresholds then are still ultimately just self-imposed. And the hard things that were hard yesterday become easy once you do them. And they're no harder than anything else because you've done them once. That'll preach. Yeah. And it's things like that, that not to dive into it, but I remember the, the first time I, I had, it had to have been close to probably 150 pounds in a pack. And this was somewhere around, I'm not sure, maybe a 10 mile hike. Oh. Um, yeah. Well, I'm, especially at the time, 140, 150, it was already more than, like, I couldn't, get up off the ground. I had to have two guys help me get up once my pack was on. Right. And then walk. I came in last. It was a training hike. Mm -hmm. Right. So luckily there were no mm -hmm. crazy repercussions, but, but I came in last out of hundreds of people and I didn't start there. Okay. But I'll tell you, it wasn't the last hike I ever went on and mm -hmm. it certainly isn't now. Mm -hmm. And now I'm not volunteering. I still don't like them, but I'm not going to not do them. And now, yeah. obviously, I'm stronger and I know better how to cope with that mentally as well. So, yeah, it sounds sort of cliche now, but yeah, micro commitments, to your words, make macro changes with consistency. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, Ooh, well, I'm feeling that phrase. I'm feeling that phrase. <laughs> I like that. Micro commitments make macro changes. Yes. Yeah. No problem. Something, no problem. something else you said there that was really good about the first time that you do it, it whatever it is, it seems, monumental and really hard but after you've done it a hundred times it's the same thing but it doesn't seem so hard and anytime I'm starting something new like whenever you can relate to this when I started my podcast you know the things in that that seemed really overwhelming challenging or whatever I had to tell myself okay a year from now this is going to be easy so just pretend it's a year from now and so relating it to health and wellness it's okay I'm cooking these veggies or I'm doing something I haven't done before, or haven't done often. After I've done this a hundred times, it will not be quite so confusing or overwhelming. Mm -hmm. So, you know, one thing is what can I do now to make it easier on the front end? Micro commitments are one of the ways to do that. But just again, to what your point is, of it's not always going to be this way. It's not always going to be hard. All right, folks, sit tight. And we'll be right back on Transacting Value. 
Did you know that children who do chores to earn their allowance have more respect for finance and more of a drive for financial independence? Did you know that families who complete tasks together have stronger bonds? Did you know that cognition, sense of self, and anxiety all improve if people have regular interactions with nature? Imagine what instilling self-esteem, resilience, family, teamwork, and an authorized sense of self could do for the growth of each generation, no matter the temptation. At Hoofenklucker Farm, that's just another Tuesday. Want to learn how to homestead or just more effectively develop your character for an unknown future? Follow or direct message on Instagram at Hoofenklucker Farm. Watch it happen in real time. A wise man learns from the mistakes of others. A foolish man learns from his own. You know, one thing is, what can I do now to make it easier on the front end? Micro commitments are one of the ways to do that. But just again, to what your point is, of it's not always going to be this way. It's not always going to be hard. No, no, it won't. It may always be challenging, but challenging doesn't mean hard. Right. So to that point, I guess, then how do you take some of your personal values, let's say like discipline or passion and, and put them into your brand and put them into your podcast and broadcast them to your clients and to your audience? How do you do that? Great question. One actually is in the title itself. The podcast, I specifically chose real wellness because it's for real people in their real lifestyle. It's things that are truly doable. It's that it's, here's how you're being kind to yourself. Yes, it's going to require some discipline, but discipline can be doable. Discipline doesn't have to be something you dread. And especially if you don't misuse it the way that I did, I've learned from that, is let's layer it. Let's put some harmony with that for kindness to yourself. So in the title is one, the episodes themselves, I talk about intuitive eating. I'm a certified intuitive eating counselor. So I talk about intuitive eating and listening to your body versus listening to those external diet rules. I'm in a series right now on making healthy habits stick, turning your resolutions into reality. And that's where micro commitment was one of the episodes in that. So that's why that's really fresh in my mind. So it's just marrying. Yes, we have to make choices that may or may not be easy in the moment. But when we're listening to our true self, you know, when you're listening to who you really are, those choices become a whole lot more fun and a whole lot easier. They sure do. Because then you're not thinking about all the little detailed steps you got to do to get it right. More often than not, by then, you're doing it right enough to start enjoying the process. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of it is sometimes the discipline is not discipline to do a checklist of how many carbs, how many grams of protein, how many this or that. Sometimes the discipline is to turn off those external voices and listen to, wow, you know what? Yesterday I had three servings of this or two. And, and I felt really great or I felt really bad. And the discipline to listen to your own body's wisdom. Mm. Yeah. You know, it's seldom, I guess, that you start finding friends that are actually wise, not the ones that just profess to be. And I think as we grow up as people, the best friend mentality you brought up earlier in your own head, as you talk to yourself and, you know, arrange your thoughts and sort of self-actualize, I think, at least in my experience, I started out with a lot of friends in my head that actually weren't as wise as they thought they were. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they were the ones that said, Hey, I got a really good idea 
and this is going to be great. We had a lot of fun together, but they're not in my circle of mental friends anymore. That's good. Yeah. But you're, you are definitely pointing up something really interesting. Those friends in our head versus the friends in our gut. What do you mean? Because when I'm saying, and I don't mean gut, your physical gut. I mean like that gut sense. Oh. Whenever you are having, for me anyway, like let's take that all the way back whenever I was fifth or sixth grade and 102 fever doing crunches. I'm sure I was listening to my head that said, you've got this checklist. You're supposed to do X, Y, Z. Get out of this bed and do it. But if I had listened to my gut, to my innermost being, it was probably saying, you know what? One day of skipping this is not going to be bad. It'd probably be wiser for you to stay in bed and just rest. So that listening to the wisdom of your body is not listening to the voices in your head as much as it is listening to that gut check. Mm. Yeah, there's a, I'm pretty sure it's a Chinese philosophy and I can't remember exactly what it's called off the top of my head, but the gist of it is that the sort of controlling feature in your body is not your brain, it's your heart because your brain can get distracted. Alrighty, folks, sit tight and we'll be right back on Transacting Value. Thomas Jefferson wrote in a letter to George Washington in 1787 that agriculture is our wisest pursuit because it will, in the end, contribute most to wealth, good morals, and happiness. Did you know that even at a nearly $1 billion valuation, farmers markets nationwide still authentically serve their local markets as direct-to-consumer, farm-fresh models of freedom, self-reliance, and teamwork? At the Keystone Farmers Market in Odessa, Florida, those same ideals also cultivate an agritourism experience, preserving the old ways of wholesome, family-oriented, sustainable growth of produce and people. For premium quality produce at affordable prices, opportunities for the kiddos to feed the baby cows, or to simply wander the garden and watch your future meals grow, visit Keystone Farmers Market on Facebook or come by in person to 12615 Tarbon Springs Road. Keystone Farmers Market, the place with the boiled peanuts. It's a Chinese philosophy, and I can't remember exactly what it's called off the top of my head, but the gist of it is that the sort of controlling feature in your body is not your brain, it's your heart, because your brain can get distracted. And I, I yeah. think it's a lot of the same of the points you're bringing. Oh, out. gosh, that is good. I'm going to have to research and look that up. That's good. Yeah, I can't remember. And for anybody listening, feel free to send me an email, uh, survivaldadyt at gmail.com, and I'll forward it out to Sherry. And, you know, you can help her make new friends. But yeah, whatever it was, it's the same principle that you're bringing up now, though, which I think ultimately is telling, you know, for people, let's say in your case, in the middle of the United States to people, the opposite side of the globe, having a similar thought with totally different cultures, backgrounds, perspective, languages, whatever. Well, then it can't be that far off the mark of being more appropriate yeah. or accurate than not. Yeah. So saying that, Sherry, I guess what we're talking about it for the sake of time. If people do want to reach out to you, uh, either to get in touch as potential clients or to listen to your podcast or just get more information, how do they do it? The two best ways are my website, and I'll rattle it off here, and then I'm sure you can probably put it in the show notes too, is the T-H-E-V-I-R-E-O-L-I-F-E.com, the Vireo Life. And Vireo means I flourish, I thrive, I am strong and active. So if you want that kind of life, go land on my website. My podcast also lives on my website. So you can pretty much everything is housed there. 
and then reach out to me either through email, Sherry, S-H-E-R-I, at TheVerioLife.com, or I'm on all social media except for Twitter. I've never never landed there, but Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn, very active on those, so reach out. All right, perfect. And yeah, for everybody listening, we will have all of those links linked in the show notes as well, so you'll be able to pull that stuff up. And obviously, if for whatever reason you can't get a hold of Sherry and there's just issues or whatever, feel free to reach out to Transacting Value and we'll get you guys in touch and then you guys can go and sharpen each other's iron after that, so to speak. So saying that though, Sherry, I really appreciate the opportunity and to to just have this conversation, to learn more obviously about your perspective, but specific to Transacting Value, how you've taken discipline and kindness and harmony and passion and incorporated them into your brand. And ultimately, I think, to show that talking about values doesn't have to be in some sort of civics or humanities classroom. And the fact that they still have a role, you know, you can make whatever decisions and whatever application you want for them, but being able to identify them can help guide you and channel you into more productive directions throughout the rest of your life. So for all of those reasons, thank you for your time. Thank you. It has been a pleasure. Yeah, no problem at all. And folks, to everybody else who is listening to this, I'd also like to thank you for tuning in and for just listening and staying along with the conversation. If there is anything else that you want to hear about topics or otherwise, like I said, to get in touch with Sherry, feel free to send an email to survivaldadyt at gmail.com. And I'd also like to thank you for listening into our core values for February of kindness, passion, and harmony. And then for this now, what is our first mini series to broadcasting value? So let me first also say thank you to your series, Making Healthy Habits Stick. And because you brought them up earlier to your dad and your brother, and I'm sort of tied in to the Navy and the Air Force, I'd also like to thank them for their inspiration into your life and furthering and fostering your perspectives. So that's huge as well. But to our show partners, Keystone Farmers Market, Hoof and Clucker Farm, and obviously Buzzsprout for your distribution. I couldn't do it without you guys either. So thank you very much. Now, folks, if you're interested in joining our conversation or you want to discover our other interviews, you can check out everywhere your favorite podcasts are streamed or transactingvaluepodcast.com. Follow along on social media while we stream new interviews every Monday, 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on all of those platforms as well. Until next time, folks, that was Transacting Value.